0: Imagine having a way to peek inside your child's head and see what's going on inside their brain. Wouldn't that be fascinating? That's what I'm going to do today with my guest, Dr. Jill Bolte-Taylor. She is a well-known brain scientist author, and hers was the first TED Talk to go viral way back in 2008. We had a fascinating discussion about human brains, particularly the teen brain. And how they're different than adult brains and how technology is literally changing the wiring of our brain. This interview was so insightful that it's going to be two podcast episodes. This is the first one. In this episode, episode 10, we talk about the four sides of the human brain and how a child's brain and a teen brain is different than an adult brain and why that matters as we're parenting. In the next episode, episode 11, we talk about addiction and the human brain. We have a brain that is prone to addiction. Did you know that? So how do we protect our kids from addiction to excessive gaming and screen time? We'll talk about how to empower teens and tweens and kids to make good decisions in that episode. Buckle your seatbelt and get ready to be entertained as I chat with Dr. Jill Bolte-Taylor. Welcome to the Unplug and Plug In podcast for parents where we explore your relationship with technology as well as how to help your child develop a healthy relationship with tech and screens and most importantly you. I'm your host Lisa Honnold and I'm founder and director of the Center for Online Safety. Thanks for plugging in with me today. I am excited to introduce our special guest today. She is profoundly gifted at taking complex scientific information and boiling it down into ideas that stick and are helpful in understanding humans and the way our brains work. One of my all-time favorite quotes is from her, be responsible for the energy you bring into a room. Yes, some of you have already guessed. It's Jill, Dr. Jill Bolte-Taylor. Dr. Taylor is well-known as both a Harvard-trained and published neuroscientist and a person who had a stroke at a very young age and spent eight years recovering. Her memoir, My Stroke of Insight, documents her experience with stroke and the recovery process and has been on the New York Times bestseller list for years. And her second book, Whole Brain Living, The Anatomy of Choice and the Four Characters that Drive Our Life helped me understand my brain in new ways. I highly recommend both of these books. So welcome Dr. Jill Bolte. Taylor can you tell I'm
1: excited to talk with you? Thank you Lisa. I'm happy to be here with you. I'm looking I've been looking forward to this conversation because you're managing a population that I don't often get to chat about and I love it. So And I was reading,
0: I was reading your second book and thinking, oh my gosh, I have so many questions for you because the teen brain is a little bit different and, you know, parents are really eager to get this information. So I'm so glad that you made time for me today. Thank you. Thank you. All right. So what else should parents know about your background before we dive into the brain and all things that I want to talk about? Anything else?
1: You know, I think the yeah, the way, the way I like to think about the brain is I am a neuroanatomist, a brain anatomist, and I am a cellular anatomist. So I think about the brain as this magnificent collection of cells, and then the cells communicate with one another in circuits with the chemicals. I'm not so much about the chemicals as I am about the circuits because every ability we have because we have brain cells that perform that function. So I can speak because those cells in my brain are functioning. I can move my hands because those cells are performing their function. And if for some reason or another, there's trauma in the brain, then I can't perform that function if those cells go offline. So every ability we have is all about the cells. And I, I that is, that's kind of my foundation for everything.
0: Okay. That's super helpful. Let's just dive in then and start with uh, something from Whole Brain Living. Can we talk about the four areas of the brain that you've identified and what each area is good at and maybe not so good at?
1: Yeah. So as we think about how the human brain has developed, uh, so think about the reptiles. Mm -hmm. And we have a brain stem structure with our spinal cord, then the brain stem at the top. And these are pretty much on-off switches. I'm hungry, I eat, I'm done. I'm thirsty, I drink, I'm done, et cetera. And then new tissue gets added on top of that brainstem, and it's, it's bilateral. So there's two blobs, one that ultimately will be emotion of the right hemisphere, and the other will be emotion of the left hemisphere. And that is the difference between a reptile and a mammal, is the addition of this emotional limbic tissue. And then the difference between a typical mammal and the human is thinking tissue added on top. So then we have thinking tissue in the right hemisphere and thinking tissue in the left hemisphere. So we as human beings, we end up having two emotional systems, one in the right, one in the left, and two thinking modules of cells, one in the right, one in the left. and then our right hemisphere and our left hemispheres are different from one another. So what's the fundamental difference? Well, the fundamental difference is that the right hemisphere is all about right here, right now, present moment, and the left hemisphere has linearity across time. So our past experience and our future experience is gonna be in the left hemisphere, but the present moment right here, right now is going to be in the right hemisphere. So those make up then two different modules of cells in the left hemisphere, the thinking and the emotion, and then two modules of cells in the right hemisphere. All of that is to say, okay, let's simplify that and name each of these groups Mm -hmm. of cells. So there are four major groups of cells. I call character one is the left thinking tissue. And this is the tissue that organizes and creates order In relationship between me and the external world. So I have the ability to use my left thinking brain, rational thinking, analytical to analyze what's going on in the external world so I can order or I can create order and control people, places and things including time. Mm -hmm. So we all have this group of cells, that I call this character one. It ends up having a personality because the part of me that likes order and likes control is completely different than the part of me that wants to go play right? And it actually boils down to different cell structures. So character one is structured, organizes, it goes to work, it's, it defines what is right, what is wrong, what is good, what is bad. And we all have that part of ourselves. You know, he got us here together on time, didn't it?
0: That's right. We were both here.
1: We were both here. So character two is the emotion of the past and of the future. And both character one and character two are all about me, me, Jill Bolte-Taylor. It's about me. It's about my relationship with the external world in character one. And character two is all my emotions from my whole past and my fears or anticipation and excitedness about the future, so we so that's character 1 and character 2 character 3 and 4 are then in the present moment right here right now and In the right here, right now, I don't have that group of cells in my left hemisphere saying I am Jill Bolte-Taylor, so the whole world is all about me. Instead, I don't exist in the present moment. In the present moment, I'm right here, right now. Character three, then, is the emotion of the present moment. And character four, then, is the thinking of the connection of me to all that is outside or or just everything in general because... I don't have that boundary definition of me, the individual. So we end up with these four very different characters and getting to know our four different characters, we all have them neuroanatomically. We, we tend to have a default you know, many of us, especially if you're one, you probably come in as I got to be responsible. I got to run the schedule for the kids. I got to run the schedule for my spouse. I got to get to work. I got to do this. I got to get the food. I got to, you know, I got to, I got to, I got to all that where one of you in a relationship might actually be more playful, more creative, more in the present, more, come on, forget what we got (laughs) to do. Let's go play kind of thing, which would be more of that character three. So we all have each of these four characters in. And when we get to know each of our four characters oh my gosh all of a sudden we understand ourselves at a whole different level and whatever conflict there might be inside of ourselves or dissatisfaction in how we're living our lives because we're being skewed to certain character profiles that I don't want to spend all my time being responsible. I want to go play again, you know? Getting to know those characters inside of ourselves, then we start seeing those characters in the people we love. And yes, our teenage kids are going to have all four of these characters and they're going to be bouncing in and out of those four characters, you know, every (laughs) two seconds. So, so really understanding these four characters and how to manage them inside of ourselves and in relationship with others can be a real key to success and how we create healthy relationships.
0: I think the other thing that's, I love all of this. I think the other thing that's interesting about teens, tweens and teens, is they're trying on new identities on top of these four characters. They're asking themselves, who do they want to be at an identity level? Which is really complex to manage as a parent. To see them, you know, be completely different people one day to the next or one minute to the next is very confusing.
1: Yeah, it is. And that's why it's really, you know, so so let's talk about that at, you know, when I'm born, when we are born as biological creatures, we are born with about twice as many brain cells as we would ever need. Isn't that lovely? We are designed for abundance. Okay, I think that's fantastic. And then based on the stimulation and the environment coming in, cells make connections, and they start creating these loops. And the cells that don't fit in, well, they die. You know, they don't receive the stimulation and they die off. So for the first 10, 12 years, it used to be 10, 12 years and puberty and pre-puberty is actually getting younger. But during those first years, then everything is all about me connecting my neurons up for what, who, you know, I'm getting wired, right? I'm being wired life. And then right before, about two years before I'm going to go through a physical puberty, I go through a cognitive pruning back. Well, I go through this this exuberance of connection, potential connection between the neurons. And that's exactly what you're saying. We're trying on new identities. Why? Because my neurons, I used to be really into my, my crafts or I used to really be into my sports or I used to be really be into my technology or I used to be in really Mm -hmm. involved with these friends. And then a couple of years before the physical spurt, I have this exuberance of of possibility at a cellular level. And so now all of a sudden, I'm not all about my sports or about my crafts, because now I'm starting to, to look outside of myself. Oh my God, there are other people on this planet, and I have to actually have a relationship with them. And so now my new possibilities are open. And this is why it is so important that parents pay attention to the choices at this level, because they are setting themselves up they're planting the garden of what their future is going to be so that's why it's really important you know if kids want to be good musicians when they're in their 20s they need to be good musicians during their teens or that circuitry is going to die back. So literally after this this period of exuberance where the neurons are just saying, all possibilities are wide open. Who am I going to be? What am I going to do? I got to try it all on. I got to act like this. <laughs> well, how'd that work? Well, that didn't work well. Or, or how'd I do this? Well, so-and-so really like that. And it's like, but mm-hmm. do I really want to be with that crowd? And it's like, so we're trying to, everything on. And then puberty begins, we get this major physiological shift where our bodies grow and we become sexually reproductively capable. And our brains are literally pruning back now, literally 50% of the connections inside of the brain. It is traumatic. We are actually going through a cellular trauma. Now, which 50% gets cut back? Well, the 50% we're not using. So that's why I say if I'm a child and I want to I want to sing when I'm older, I need to sing in order to have that be 50% of the connections I keep going. If I want to be good at sports, I need to continue to be good during those teenage years so that remains part of the 50% of the connections that I keep. Let's follow that for a second because I'm thinking about tweens and teens and
0: you know many kids have phones by the time they're nine ten years old which means they may not be putting in the effort with singing or sports because they have more sedentary you know basically free time is spent on social media or it's spent on phones instead of perhaps some other places where looking backwards 10 years they might say gosh I wish I had learned to sing or stuck with it. Do you have any theories on, on that, how kids are changing their attention?
1: Well, the thing about technology is it's instant gratification. And who doesn't love instinct gratification? Yeah. You know, I get a ping. Oh, it's a right. text. Oh, it's someone I care about. Oh, dopamine. Oh, a little pleasure. Right? And so our brain is is, we are an addictive type of brain. So we have to be really careful about what we allow ourselves to be addicted to. And I say that very literally. I would rather personally, my child becomes addicted to movement and the need to do sports. And those of us who are are athletic know that this is an addiction, just like Technology can be an addiction mm-hmm. or alcohol can be an addiction. So the question is, how much time, wh- what am I allowing myself to be become addicted to? Uh, Instead yes. of saying all oh, addiction is bad you know, well, excess is bad, but we are biologically programmed to focus on and do, 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 do something because it's satisfying. So what are we allowing ourselves to be addicted to? And I think that that's a shift in perspective for parents. What are your children? What Mm -hmm. what did you addict to when you were growing up? What did you addict to during your teenage years? And what are you addicted to now, because, you know, we're all addicted to something. So pick some healthy addictions, you know, pick, a, pick your addiction to healthy food, as opposed to the Big Mac, you know, I mean, we, so we have, we're making choices. And we can't say this is all bad. This is all good. I mean, the fact of the matter is, extreme addiction mm-hmm. is generally not healthy. And those people I know, I'm 63 now, and many people I know, we, I was one of them, were addicted to sports. Many of my colleagues now, they are still addicted to running. Well, a body that is 65 years old cannot run the way that it run when it was 20 or Uh 15. And so now these people are having breakdown or immediate death, bummer, because (laughs) they're not managing the addiction right they're not managing their addiction in a reasonable uh-huh. way so i think i think the message here is pay attention to what are you doing what are you doing what are what circuits are you running how are you spending your time and go for diversity okay i i enjoy social media so i spend x amount of time on social media but i really pay attention to it and i pay attention to my need for it and do i want to have a need For it, Okay. Well, I want peace of heart and peace of mind. So how do I engage in that? So I like to meditate and I'm physically active. So how much time am I doing that? So I think it really becomes exactly what you said earlier, that, that early quote, please take responsibility for the energy you bring into this room. Mm -hmm. Please take responsibility for the circuitry you're running. Pay attention to it. Don't be afraid of it. But really ask yourself, who do I want to be and how do I want to grow up to be a balanced person? And even if I'm a parent, okay, same thing. Where's my energy? Where's how, how how diverse am I? And really pay attention to what's going on with who and how you want to be, because we have the power to choose who and how we want to be instead of simply running on automatic. And unfortunately, many of us don't realize we have that power. And so it's like, okay, I'm just running on automatic and life is is chasing me by the tail. And now I've got these teenagers who are all over the place and, and I can't control them. And so my character one wants to clamp down harder on them and and make them smaller because they're too big and wild for me to control. And it's like, Let's just really look at what is reality. Get out of the emotion of it. Get out of the fear of it. Get out of the anxiety of it get out of the, oh, it's bad, and let's just really look and see, how do we create balance? How do we create balance? And I would say connection, too, for that
0: last part where you're talking about, you know, kids are out of control, and I just want to get my character one to clamp down on them. Yeah, that's a recipe for disaster with kids who have a lot of freedom once they start driving, and, you know, they've got friend choices, and you're not responsible in the same way you used to be for what they're eating and who they're hanging out with and all of that. So, connection in a way relationship in a way that it continues to evolve as they're growing up and need different things which is it's hard to stay in tune with that but so
1: necessary it is it is and you know i think that you know what i have found anyway is as a presenter of brain material is teenagers love to know. They want to understand why they feel what they feel, why they think what they think. They want to understand their brain. They want to understand, you know, they come in, they're fresh, they're beautiful, they're innocent. They look at the world, they say, oh my God, what a horrible world. And they're idealistic, which, you know, is beautiful. Thank goodness. So how do we empower them and help them balance what, what is the world what is their power in the world and that they actually do have some power in the world. And this takes a pause, but but if we're we're running a household or a society that is just go, 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 push, 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 chaos, 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 well, gosh knows we've been living yeah. that for the last what, six, seven years. And it 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 destabilizes our character one, which thrives in the creation of order. And so what order, what choice, what power do I actually have to create order in my life? Well, I have the power to choose inside of my own brain how to create that order. And even if I'm in a teenage brain where I'm trying on all these things, if I really understand what the protocol is for what am I Uh doing with my brain during the next 10 years, then it's like, yeah, I want to be an athlete when I grow up. So I'm going to continue to enjoy athletic things. I want to sing, I want my music. Music is mine, it's a personal expression of myself. And really paying attention Mm -hmm. to where's my power? Well, that is my power. Power in the human brain is our ability to inhibit ourselves, not our ability to excite ourselves. Because I can come in and I can say, oh, yeah, I want to do this and I want to do that. and I want to do this and I want to do that. I want to hang with them and I want to do that. And it's like, yeah, I'm going to go do it all. Well, there's no power (laughs) there, right? That's chaos. That's out of control. The power in the human brain is our ability to inhibit and to make reasonable, rational choices. And it's like, okay, what club am I going to join after school if I'm going to be in an after school program? Well, I can hang out back and I can decide, oh, drugs, you know, that's an option. Or I can, but what? what's the long game? in drugs. Is that something that I'm, I really want to pursue? Well, I can, I can be in debate. Yeah, I can actually be in debate. I can learn a skill to be able to listen to others, to use my voice and my educated brain. I can show up for myself. So really it's a matter, I think, of of asking little people, little people, Who do you want to be? Nobody grows up and says, I want to grow up and be a drug addict. Nobody says that. So if somebody says, well, I want to grow up and I want to be a dancer, and even if you know they're never going to be the best dancer on the planet, fuel their dancing this is positive energy well then they want to do this and then we we say oh well you know you wanted to do that now you do this and you're all over the map and it's like you need to make decisions and it's like Mm -hmm. no that's not what the teenage years are for the teenage years are for a healthy exploration of who do i want to grow up to be as I get older. And it is the responsibility. That's the beauty of being a parent to help direct them because their brain's all over the map.
0: (laughs) So many mic drop moments in there. Oh my goodness. So our job is to inhibit. I would say I'm a CPA by training. So super analytical. And it sounds like You're talking about an opportunity cost. If I'm doing one thing, I'm not able to do another. And I understand that this is a good path forward. Such a good idea to be thinking about, not the excitement piece as much as what will I be inhibiting to grow in the future? Where 10 years from now would I like to see myself? And how, what, you know, what are the stepping stones to get there? And that's a conversation that parents can be leading, can be having with their kids, because who isn't interested in their own self-development, self-growth and feedback? I love that. Okay, it's Lisa here. I hate to interrupt this conversation, but I know that Dr. Jill has already said so many things that you and I both need time to digest. I'm going to stop us here and know that the next episode, episode 11, we'll have 20 more minutes with Dr. Jill to uh, continue this conversation right where we left off. Can you believe our teens are pruning 50% of their brain connections based on what they're using? It's the use it or lose it concept for brain wiring. There were so many aha moments for me. I hope there were for you too. I'd like to end with Dr. Jill's quote that we started with. Be responsible for the energy you bring into a room. Or, as she said during the interview, please take responsibility for the circuitry you're running in your brain. What would shift if you used this quote as a compass to find your way back to intention this week? Let me know. As always, thanks for listening to the Unplug and In podcast. Be sure to always have the latest episodes by following us. It used to be called subscribing. Following us on your podcast platform of choice. And how about leaving me a five-star review? It's quick, and your feedback will help more parents see the podcast. So thank you in advance. If you're interested in more parenting tips related to technology, sign up for our newsletter at centerforonlinesafety.com. See you next time.